Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya. And on this week's show, we take a look back at 2019 in African football. It was a good Nations Cup, plenty of African players shining in Europe, but issues at the Confederation of African Football. So was this a good year for the game on the continent? And we go into our archive and relive the story of the Zimbabwe fan who travelled all the way to Egypt by road for the Africa Cup of Nations and the story of Cherno Samba, who's from the Gambia and as a teenager had a bright future when he was set to join Liverpool. But when the transfer fell through, Samba battled with depression and he attempted suicide. I was hurt. I was isolated. I was, I was bitter. You know, I was so bitter because I kept constantly thinking about the deal that didn't happen at Liverpool. Yes, the touching and inspirational story of Cherno Samba coming up later. So we're looking back at 2019 in African football on the show this week. It's our last programme of the year. We had the Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt, which most would say was a good tournament. We had Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah finishing fourth and fifth in the Ballon d'Or award after a period where there haven't been that many Africans shining at the very highest level. So that was good, I'd say, but then there were issues at the Confederation of African Football, particularly the cancellation of the broadcasting contract with French company Lagardère, which means that we couldn't watch the Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations and the recent 2021 Nations Cup qualifiers in most parts of Africa. Uh, so, Ida, a good year for African football? Hmm, Steve, uh, a good year for African football? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe that's stretching it a bit. I will term it as a 50-50 year because uh, there was the good and the bad as you've said. Um, quickly going into the good first Africa Cup of Nations in the summer did have its advantages um, it was a brilliant time being in Egypt I will say that it expanded to 24 teams and we felt the the advantage of that just some teams like Madagascar you know being the surprise package of the tournament inspiring many I would say shocking just as many as well um, looking at the finalists Senegal and Algeria amazing year for the Desert Foxes and Belmadi doing that you know basically winning the Nations Cup and doing that and beaten I think was absolutely amazing um, focusing on uh, the Ballon d'Or Look, Steve, I'll be honest. I do feel like, uh, you know, especially for Sadio Mane, I think his season did warrant a higher position, you know, within uh, the Ballon d'Or and not just the Ballon d'Or, actually, but the FIFA best as well. Wasn't to be, still doesn't take away from anything he did, uh, which actually included um, winning the Champions League. So we did see it being an amazing season in the UEFA Champions League for Africans as well. You know, I'm going to throw in Divo Corrigi there. Yes, he is Belgian-born, but, you know, a lot of people back in Kenya, just courtesy of his his uh, father, Michael Quoth, being uh, Kenyan, really do take Divo Corrigi to be, you know, quote-unquote, a son of the soil, you know. And, um, yeah, it was an amazing time, you know, looking at the CAF Champions League, Steve. Hmm. Not too good of a time there. It was quite dramatic and uh, not in the best of ways, you know. Um, you know, focusing on some of the negatives. Steve, the politics of football, you know, Ahmad getting arrested. 
the FIFA takeover of uh, of CAF, you know, in uh, Fatma Samora coming in hasn't been uh, the best look for African football. Um, and also just on the global front, Steve, looking at uh, just the levels of racism, you know, recorded in 2019, not to say they haven't been there before, but, you know, really happened to a lot of Africans, both high profile and in different tiers, and especially in the Italian Serie A, Steve. So just looking ahead, um, while there are positives to pick on, I think um, the job is to actually try and get the negatives to, to just turn around and be better, you know? Yep, concerns going into 2020, some highs and lows there were in 2019 for African football. Now, before we go into some of the highlights of 2019, a great story we must mention for women in sport as coach Victoria Conte made her debut in the Sierra Leone top flight, leading a men's side East End Tigers against FC Calon. Uh, Conte drew the match 1-1, making two substitutions in the second half when the team were 1-0 down and the two subs combined to get the equaliser in in the 90th minute. A great story that. And overall, I think, Ida, 2019, a positive year for football in Sierra Leone. Yes, Steve. 2019 was definitely a much better year for football in Sierra Leone. Uh, Before I even get into Coach Conte, which I think was absolutely amazing, just looking back into the year, and especially once that international ban was lifted, um, on Sierra Leone by FIFA. And uh, remember, the ban had come about because of uh, third-party interference. Um, I think it marked uh, the start of just very positive traction, you know. And um, it actually came just a very short while after the Sierra Leone Federation president, Aisha Johansson, was cleared of corruption charges. So, Remember, that was a very long-running court case, and the same was also for General Secretary Christopher Kamara. Um, looking at the the actual football, you know, matters on the pitch in Sierra Leone, the Premier League is finally back in Sierra Leone after five years, Steve, you can imagine, uh, resumed on 6th December. So going back to Coach Conte, Tremendous news, and you could see her tactical acumen, Steve, actually working out on the pitch. And we've mentioned this slightly before. I'm going to say it again. It's been a very positive year for women's football. And just focusing on the technical aspects, yes, uh, Coach uh, Victoria Conte doing amazing things. And let's hope that 2020 will be a good year for football in Sierra Leone. Thanks, Ida. So we're finishing off 2019 here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, with some highlights from our archive. And let's start with the Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt, where Algeria were the champions beating Senegal in the final in Cairo. And Ida and myself were both fortunate enough to be there. Now, one amazing story at the Nations Cup was the journey of Zimbabwe fan Alvin Aluva Jakarta, who set out with the aim of completing a Cape to Cairo road trip some 10,000 kilometres through eight countries. He left Cape Town in South Africa, that's the southernmost tip of the continent, with his friend Botham Sila, who's a South Africa fan, with the aim of making history as the first fans to do the Cape to Cairo road journey for a sports event. Botham Sila gave up. He turned back 
at the Kenya-Ethiopia border with problems getting visas there. Msila eventually flew into Cairo with the help of well-wishers, but Aluva soldiered on and people became extremely worried as he dropped off the radar for days whilst in Sudan. He finally arrived long after the tournament had started, taking 44 days, and Zimbabwe were already knocked out by then, but he was able to watch the South Africa-Nigeria quarter-final the day that he arrived, plus the semi-finals and the final. I asked Aluva how dangerous the trip was. From Ethiopia, when I, when I left Ethiopia, internet, there was internet shutdown because there was some political instability in Ethiopia. Then I got to Sudan, internet was already, internet was shut down again in Sudan. So it, I really had problems to communicate, but uh, I'm sure on the 30th, 30th of, of June, I saw some guy there who had access to internet, So, but he was charging uh, 30 US dollars per hour. So I got on the net and I saw everyone, they were hashtag find Aluva, people were worried. So I tried to communicate with, with, with some people and I thought maybe the, the, the concerns uh, or the fear or the alarm had quelled down. But only to find out when I arrived, when I, when I got on net, I saw it, it was awash on social media, people were worried. Yeah, indeed it was not safe in Sudan because there are soldiers everywhere. There are some of the things that I cannot say here, but I, I, I faced so many challenges, uh, life-threatening challenges, but uh, God was on my side. I was protected, and I'm safe, and I managed to, to, to get my visa, my Egyptian visa, in, in Khartoum. And so I managed to travel, and I traveled safely. I thank God that I'm here. Uh, it is uh, by His grace that I'm here, not that I am I'm clever or that I am lucky. No, it's out of, of his love, out of, the, of his favor, out of his grace that I'm here. Okay, it's so a long story. Just tell us about the one worst danger that you faced. Well, it, it was on the June 30th. So I didn't know that the, the people there, they, were, they, they had long planned a revolution on the 30th of June. In Sudan? In Sudan. So I didn't know it was because of the language communication problems. So every word, there were graffiti written, but I couldn't read because it was written in Arabic. So I couldn't read. Maybe the only thing that I could see is 30. So I just said, what is this 30? This blah, 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 30. This blah, 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 30. But it was actually June 30. So it was a Sunday, and they wake on a Sunday. So I was supposed to to go to to the Egyptian consulate in, in Khartoum. I woke up very early, and then I, I got into the central uh, business district. I found the, the consulate was closed. You know, communication was really a problem. A lot of people were trying really to, to tell me that, no, it's not safe. But I couldn't understand. But I could tell from the gestures that they, they were saying, but I couldn't. Uh, the, the Egyptian consulate, it's, it is actually nearer to the, the Nile River, and it is nearer to the presidential palace, to the... Prime Minister's palace. So I didn't know. Uh, and then I saw a crowd coming from, from one end. They were chanting, waving flags and stuff and stuff. So ah, so that that's the when I started wondering ah, maybe things are not well. So I said, no, let me avoid going where the crowd is coming from. Let me go to the other direction. And when I was going to the other direction, there were now the police and soldiers, they were barricading uh, I only realized when I turned the corner, maybe they were about 15 meters, so they, they called me and uh, I was 
some trouble, but I, I managed to come out safely. Uh, but it was quite a, a shaking moment. So were you arrested? Maybe detained for uh, maybe for about 15 minutes. They were asking me in there in, in, in Arabic. So I couldn't get what they were asking. And uh, as I tried to, to, to explain, I'm sure they wouldn't understand me as well. So you ran into an uprising in Sudan uh, accidentally. So much to say, but just give us a final word to people back home, Aluva. If you have a dream, if you have a passion for something, if you have a dream, go for it, pursue it until you get it. Uh, it may be delayed, but delay is not denial. So you have to, to persist, you have to be patient, you have to, to be strong. Because the, the, the harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. That's the amazing story of Zimbabwe's Alvin Aluva Jakarta. He was eventually given a ticket to the final by CAF President Ahmed and given accommodation by a sponsor for the rest of his stay in Cairo. Uh, there was further drama, though, as Aluva lost his passport at the final. It was then found by a Senegal fan who returned it to him a couple of days later. Well, sadly, Aluva was not nominated for Fan of the Year in the Best FIFA Awards, although many felt in African football that he deserved to be among those three nominees. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on our new look website, that's planetsport.tv. And in the About Us section, there's pictures and profiles of the whole team there. So you can find out more about us and see what we all look like as well. That's on our new look website, planetsport.tv. So as we near the end of 2019, we're going through our archive and picking some of our best interviews of the year. One touching and inspirational interview was with Cherno Samba, who's from the Gambia. As a teenager, he had a bright future when he was set to join Liverpool. But when the transfer fell through, Samba battled with depression and he attempted suicide. Samba played in the lower leagues of English football and in Spain, Finland and Norway. He also became one of the world's best virtual footballers in the video game Championship Manager. Samba's now 34 and retired from football. And Mamadou Bar spoke to Samba when he was in the Gambia and found out more about his story. I was born here in Gambia and left here at the age of six. When I went to England, um, well, I got scouted playing for my, my school football team. And there was a gentleman called Harry Gerber who spotted me and said, that number 10 was his name. So they've told him and then he said, this guy can play at the highest level. So from then on, I went on and um, played for Mottenham Youth, which was a Sunday league. And then I got scouted by Millwall. Now, it was Millwall, West Ham and Charlton, but we decided to stay with Millwall because Millwall was closer to my house. So I went there and I was just banging goals left, right and centre. At the age of 13, I was scoring 132 goals in 32 games where Michael Owen had the record for schoolboy record, but then I took it off him. And till today, it's not been broken yet. So, uh, which is nice, you know. Um, so after that, I got sky, uh, I've got picked for England. I was 14, 15, playing a year above my age um, with the likes of Darren Bent, Glenn Johnson, David Bentley and all those players. My, my second game against Wales, I scored a goal, got man of the match and we won 3-1. So that's when all the attention came. So it was Liverpool, Manchester United, Leeds at the time and Arsenal. So I went to Liverpool first. 
and um, the, 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 the interest and the love they showed me was on beyond belief. Um, I remember Jawa Hulid asking me who was my favourite player. So I said to him it was Michael Owen at the time. So after my first um, training with, 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 with Liverpool, I went back and then I had to go to Manchester. Man United went to Leeds and Arsenal. Then Michael phoned me and said, look, you'll be, you'll be very well looked after and stuff. And that turned my head and I couldn't let Michael down. Do you know what I mean? So, but having said that, it was just the love that they showed me. They showed, even though I'm a Manchester United fan, you know, I decided to go with Liverpool because of the love and the, 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 the care they showed me. But then, unfortunately, um, Mill wanted £2 million, where Liverpool said um, they would stay with 1.5. And then Mill said, well, no, they want um, £2 million. So Liverpool said, all right, fine, no problem. We'll give £2 million. But then the price just kept going up, just going up. So obviously, the deal was off. The deal was off. And um, bear in mind, at this time, both clubs knew my mum and dad knew my agent knew except me so after two weeks back and forth negotiations my dad called me down from the kitchen and I came down and he just said to me look I don't know if you've realised your mum's not the best at the moment and I said yeah I don't know what's wrong with her why she's like this he said well the deal's off you're not going to Liverpool and I just that crushed my world man I was devastated I was um, I remember just dropping on the kitchen floor just crying like a little boy um, but something certain things happened while I was on that floor crying the first thing that came to my head was I don't want nothing to do with football I don't want to play football for the rest of my life I just want to enjoy football with my mates playing in a park and mess about I was only 15 but something crazy came to my mind which was if I was to stay in football all I cared about was by the time I finish my football career I want to make sure I'm financially stable for myself and my family yeah so um you know, for me, I don't think I recovered after that. Talk us through those difficult moments in your life. Yeah, it was it was very difficult because what's, what what happened is after when that happened, um, I stopped playing football for six months. And um, in the end, the chairman came to my house and we sat down and we just said, look, fine, I'll come back. So I was guaranteed um, professional contract at the age of 17 because in England you can't sign a professional contract until you're 17. So um, I was only 15, 16. So when I became 17, I signed a, fr a three-year contract. And then at the age of 19, um, my contract came up and then I went to Spain. Now, at Spain, I was getting paid very well, very, very well. You've got a house looking over the beach. The weather's nice in Spain. The food is nice in Spain. The football is beautiful. What more do you want? But I was isolated. I was hurt. I was isolated. I was, I was bitter, you know, I was so bitter because I kept constantly thinking about the deal that didn't happen at Liverpool. And I was having nightmares. I was sweating at night. I was having nightmares. I was dreaming. I failed in my own country in England and I had to be shipped out to Spain. So that was constant in my mind. So it was a difficult moment. But then, then what happened was to put me to sleep, I used to take tablets from, um, from the physio room. And then one day I overdosed myself and normally a friend of mine would come and call me and I'll come downstairs and then we'll go training. But on this particular time he came, he called my phone and no one answered the phone. They said, well, this is not normal because Cherno is very professional. He's always the first one to actually come down and wait for me. So um, he came upstairs and then um, knocked on the door and no one answered. So he just brought the door in and um, I was lying there. So the paramedics came. How did you deal with depression? So, so before that incident happened, Nobody knew what, was, what I was going through. I, I wouldn't talk to anybody. You know, I was afraid to speak because I felt if I spoke, I would look up on as I'm weak. Well, I think I was weak for not speaking out. 
You understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because these little things, you need to talk to someone. You just need to, if your girlfriend, your wife, your mom, your dad, your, your dog, whoever it is, you just need to speak to someone. So what I used to do, I used to bottle a lot of things in. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't sleep at night and I used to bottle in a lot of things in. So, which is a wrong thing to do. So my thing is, anybody that's, just talk to anyone. Just, just your friend, just, just, have, just, just talk to someone mm -hmm. because they can help. Let's talk about your success in the championship. Um, championship manager game mm -hmm. at a young age, Chano Samba. The name Chano was renowned the whole, the world all, all over. How did you manage that success? It, it's, it, it was a funny one because um, I think some of the reason why as well it has a little bit of impact on me because the pressure was so much on me. You know, bear in mind at 15 I was tipped to win the World Cup for England in 2006. That's a big pressure, <laughs> you understand? So with that championship manager, you know, I was constantly looking at the stats to produce my form. So when I'm playing the game and stuff, I always knew I had to burst and do certain things. So I was always making sure that I was remembering that my stats said this, so I've got to always deliver it. And now I'm actually doing some work with them. So who would have thought that, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's quite a story, that. That's Sir Cherno Samba speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba about his battle with depression and suicide after his move to Liverpool fell through. And a story for us all there. If you are feeling depressed, do share your issues with others and do seek help. So we heard earlier on about how Sierra Leone have a female coach, Victoria Conte, who started coaching a top-flight leading men's side, the East End Tigers. And now back in September, the Botswana Football Association appointed a female assistant coach for the national men's team. Uh, she's Dr. Carolyn Brown from Germany and possibly the only female assistant coach of a senior men's national team in the world. Uh, Dr. Brown went to Botswana in February for two years to assist in coach education talent identification and women's football and now has been given this additional duty. She has a UEFA A coaching licence and is a sports scientist and has worked with the Gambia Football Federation. She's in Botswana under the German Olympic Sports Confederation. I asked her what reaction she's getting as a female assistant coach with a men's national team. Of course, uh, for the world, it's still it's still something new. And um, at first, probably everybody is looking: is this really a woman? Or, um, but it's still the same. It's football for me. It's football, and I love uh, working with uh, the women as well as working with the men because for me, like I said, it's 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 one game, and uh, it's even better if if young uh, girls who are talented playing with boys, and that uh, we are getting rid of um, any kind of of uh, things we are thinking is not for girls a sport but uh, of course the female assistant coaches in national teams I, I don't know if there's any existing so far so it's a good good sign and a very important sign uh, nowadays to, to show that uh, it's not a problem at all and for the players it's fine we are just working as a, we are not talking about you boy you girl it's, it's, about, it's about football and uh, as long as you have knowledge they highly respect to respect you and I think that's that's exactly the point. I have a PhD in sports science so probably a bit uh, what uh, most coaches don't have but uh, of course there's still also for me there's a lot to improve that's that's uh, that's for sure um, and uh, I'm always willing to learn also in coach education if I uh, as an instructor I also learn from from the participants sometimes things and and that's it like never stop learning that's what I think.
Fascinating story, that one. That is a Caroline Brown from Germany. Yes, she is the assistant coach of the Botswana national football team, the Zebras, and perhaps uh, the only female assistant coach of a men's national football team in the world. Well, finally, on the show this week, as we go through our 2019 archives, so football brings entertainment and fun to many, and it brings hope and inspires many people. And that includes many who are in prison. Now, here in Harare, an event was held to mark Africa Prisons and Correctional Services Day, and a team of prison inmates were let out of jail for the day to play a team of former Zimbabwe national team players. I found out more about how football inspires many who are behind bars. Well, here at the historic Gwanzura Stadium in hot sunshine and on a dusty pitch, we've got a team of prisoners playing a team of retired national team stars. There's a hundred or so inmates who've been allowed to watch the game. They're at the top of the stands, all dressed in white, and we've got thousands of fans out here supporting, and they are right behind the prisoners who, I've got to say, are giving a very good account of themselves. Well, I was given access to a prison and got a chance to speak to a couple of the players. So I'm inside a Harare Central Prison. We've been through a series of gates to get into the courtyard where the prisoners are gathered. Some of them are queuing up to get their food. Uh, some of them are playing a bit of music on guitars and uh, others going about their activities. Uh, so I'm with their Chief Correctional Officer Solomon Mutamba, who's the Zimbabwe Prisons and Correctional Services PR Officer for the Harare Metropolitan Province. So in terms of football, do you, what, what sort of programme do you have in the Zimbabwe prisons for those who want to play football? At every prison, we have leagues. For example, here at Arara Central Prison, they have their own leagues. And uh, it's very interesting because some of the names of the teams here, uh, you find we have Barcelona here, we have Real Madrid here, we have Dynamo Scaps United here at, at, at prison. And uh, it's very competitive. Yeah, my name is Admire Wickstone. I want to get inside. I get it's an assault. Yeah, I beat my wife, so that's why I'm here. Yeah, but it's like I'm going out next year on September. That's when I'm going out. But I'm a soccer player. I used to play soccer outside. I'm 24 years, so I still have the. I still need another chance to play soccer. Again, I still have the dream to play soccer. Uh, football is like my it's life. It's my life, you know, so I have to focus on playing soccer. You know, some of the guys I used to play with, some of the guys they're in big teams like now. Me, I'm inside. So I still have the push on. My name is Joram Suela. I committed a made offense at the age of 19. That was 1997. And I was arrested in 1998. I played for Chapungu. So most of the people who will be going out will be with 20 years. So I've reached 20 years so far. So anytime if the president just feel and have mercy for us, those who are serving life sentence who have got 20 years and above, we can go at any time. What lessons have you learnt? I've learnt a lot of lessons. And the biggest lesson which I've learned behind bars is that crime does not pay. Anything that you do as long as there is crime inside what you have been doing in your life, it's part of wasting time because you'll end up being behind bars. A lot of people have found faith when they've been behind bars. Has that applied to you? Yes. It, outside, I was going to Methodist Church. But here it's only that we've got one church which they don't give us. 
that church is not being given a name because so we just go at one church. Uh, is it hard to, to believe when you're inside? Uh, it's not hard. It depends on who you are or what you want to be tomorrow. Because without God, uh, there is nothing you can do. You cannot conquer on anything. But because of Jesus Christ, you can conquer a lot of things. And you can, have, you can be someone in life while you're outside. Even these tough conditions? Yeah. About my first 10 years, it was tough. But by the time they changed their rules here, it's now better. So you're 46, hopefully you'll be out in the next year or two. What are you dreaming of now for the years ahead? Yeah, for the years ahead, I'm dreaming as someone who loves soccer. I'm dreaming to become a coach, premierships coach. That's where my dream is. So there's been a brief taste of freedom for the inmates who've been playing and those who've been watching on and getting to enjoy music from some of Zimbabwe's top performers. And for many, football is helping them through their years behind bars. And there's hope for some that they can revive their careers when their time is done. Well, that really was quite an experience getting to meet some prisoners. And one lesson is that you want to make sure that you don't get yourself in trouble and end up behind bars. Well, that's it for this week. And indeed, that's it for this year. So what can we say? Thank you so much for your support as a listener of Planet Sport Football Africa. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. And we look forward to having you with us throughout 2020 as we bring you news stories and analysis about African football and African players. Uh, So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Ida Wairinga in Nairobi and the rest of the team, including Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK. Thanks so much for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.